Let me tell you. Hey, why were you staring at me when it said you my little boo thing and you were staring right at me, bro? We're cousins. Because there's a Samoan word that says boo and then there's another word that's after oh, I was thinking about you. Wow. <laughs> All right. Anyways. Anyways. Another episode of Good Story. Man, we got a great guest. Guest. Yeah. And uh, we got a special guest and yeah. guest. Yeah. Guest. This Our two. honorary guest. Guest. Yeah. Does that hurt your ears? No. Okay. Anyways, we'd like to start off by thanking our sponsors for making this all possible. We got Bucked Up. Bucked Up Drinks, they're a a energy drink. They also do supplements and different things like that. So get on BuckedUpBUCK.com. Oh, you. I forgot. UP. Sorry. They got an office that's here in Orem right off of University Parkway right across the street from the McDonald's and UVU. We also like to thank NutriCost. NutriCost, they do all the... The, the supplements like uh, we do elderberry. What else we do, Stray? Ginger. Ginger root. Uh, apple cider vinegar, the gummies, because I hate apple cider vinegar, but these ones actually taste all right. Okay. So get on there. NutriCost is NutriCost, N-U-T-R-I-S-C-O-S-T.com. Oh, I could tell you were a spelling bee champion, bro. You know? Hey, I may yeah. not have a degree, but <laughs> yeah. I got some stuff go. going on. Anyways, yeah. we also like to thank uh, Savage Fish. Savage Fish, T, and Kerry Ofoengawe, and Summer Prescott. I won't mention Fred because he don't really do anything. But He's the silent partner. They have a Savage Fish. They do uh, poke. They're also opening a second uh, location in Murray. But right now, they're right here off Murray State Street. Murray or Mill Creek? Mill Creek. Who cares? Starts you with the M. Get, you got to get your facts Hey, straight, you know bro. what? I haven't ate fish there. Oh, no idea. I'll take that back. Thank you for the raw fish we had last week. But anyways, so you can, if you pick up your dinner from 5 to 7 p.m. at Savage Fish right here off State Street in Orem, you get 25% off if you mention Good Story. Did I miss it? Anybody? Oh, Savage E-Bikes. Savage E-Bikes. We still haven't got our E-Bikes, but we yep. like Van Blaine and those guys because they have a... Uh, uh, tailgate trailer that they have at the BYU home game. So they're right across where the Chevron is. So if you want to stop in and visit that, it's a nice trailer. They got it all outfitted out. They get, they, they did sliders last week and some, some snacks and drinks and stuff. So if you want to stop by there, check out Blaine investments. That's the guys that give all the BYU players their free cars. How would it be? Oh man. Must be nice. I wish How I would was it smart. Be? So I'd like to thank them. Also cut bop. Uh, Kingsley's billboard is down off of Cut Bop because they're doing another little thing. But go visit your Cut Bop local location. There's one right here in University Mall. They've also got 28 here in Utah. 28 locations that are here in Utah, all the way up from Logan, all the way down to I don't know if they got any St. George, but I know they have one in Cedar. So go visit your Korean barbecue in a cup. That's what Cut Bop is. So shout out to Doc. That's the owner. Oh, and uh, his wife. You remember what her, her name is, Stray? We took pictures with her. No. You guys are horrible. Yeah, Sorry. but they're good people. Yeah. So go out and grab. They they oh, just. We they, could just call her Sister Bop. Yeah. Yeah. Miss Bop. Miss Bop. But they have a, a new item on there. It's a Korean katsu. It's Yeah, they just started the chicken katsu, and they have a pork katsu. Ooh. So, and they call it katsu. Yeah. All right. Anybody else? Did I miss anybody? Nope. I don't know, We're but good. that was like <clears throat> the longest advertisements Hey, gotta gotta pay some bills. Yeah. All right, let's go, let's go. So we like to thank our our guest that's on. Her name is Oretta Tupola. Oretta, Oretta, Oretta. Let me give you a little background. Oretta, she's actually a childhood friend of my wife. Wearing her Kahuku Red Raider shirt in here. They yeah. played St. John Bosco this week at last week Hawaii. No, last week was Modern Day. Oh. We won't talk about that. Oh yeah. <laughs> So last week they they came down to L.A. and they played Modern Day. This week they play they play uh, St. John Bosco. So they got the number one team last week and the number two, two team in the country. Wow! So fight on! Oh, that's SC. Sorry, Tomahawk Chop. Hey, you got to give it to them, man. They playing the best. Don't run from it. You yeah, know what I mean? They, they, yeah. they, don't run they from it. All that smoke is you know, so good. When my son was over at at uh, Orem, they played Bishop Gorman twice, and they were like ranked in the country. Yeah, they got. Well, we the second game they, the second time we played them was close, but yeah. don't run from it. You battle tested, you know. I bet you Coco gonna beat them in one thing: the fans, the Haka. 
They're going to win the Hawkeye. The best fans. The Red Sea. Yo, man, the Tomahawk. They travel deep. Boy. Anyway, yeah. so Aretha's a, a Kahuku grad, proud okay. Kahuku grad. She probably flies her, her flag up at the front. Like yours. No, no, I don't. Yeah, you got a flag don't. too. Don't yeah. be, don't be trying yeah, to act, boy. Mom. Whatever you have a Kobo flag in the front of your too. house. Yeah, brand new. Anyways, my wife was the class president. She had to fly that flag. You know what I mean? Okay, okay. Her flag is your flag. No, 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 no. There's things. This is a. Let me just get this out of the way right off for you young kids that I'm going to teach something to. Marriage is not fifty fifty. All right. Yeah. It's not. Let me just tell you that right off the bat. I, I'm so happy. That we're gonna she's revisit not here. that. We're gonna yeah. re, we're gonna revisit I'm so happy that. Your wife's not here, bro. Are, are very interested to see where you're going with this. This, this yeah. is this is how I. This is my thinking of marriage is not fifty. We're gonna revisit this on another show. But right uh, off the bat, if I come home and I'm not having a good day, I'm gonna turn to my wife and go. You're yourself a hole right now. I'm gonna my turn friend. to my wife and I'm like, I'm at a forty today. And you know what she's gonna say, honey. The frying pan is coming I'm your gonna way. I'm going to make up that difference. I will carry that last 50%. So oh, I'll be the 60, you be the 40. We'll revisit that. Yeah, I'm going to teach you young kids something about marriage. Because you know, when you, when you, cause if she never comes saw home, that in the handbook. If she comes home, she goes, honey, I'm at a 20 right now. Honey, I'm going to carry us with that 80. Don't worry about it. I got wow. you. Stop kicking me, bro. Hey, oh, stop I'm kicking I'm going to teach you something because marriage is not 50-50. There's a conference talk that talks about that. Like they're like free agency ain't free. Okay. Bro, All right. Are you gonna stop this? interviewing yourself because Oretta's here? <laughs> anyway, sorry, Oretta. Hey, Oretta, no, welcome, Oretta. I am so Just sorry. Just because you go to church doesn't mean you're Christian. Yeah. <laughs> yo, yo, don't don't talk about my Facebook post like that. Right. Yo. Cause every morning I try to say something inspiring, you guys making fun of it. Okay? Okay? Okay. That was a good okay. one. Though. T- good tonight's one. not about you, remember. It's not. Yeah. And yeah. It, it was Sister Hinkley that also said that. that oh you know. man. How do you know these people, man? I read. Really? Try it. All right. Okay. Hey. Anyways, back <laughs> to the show. Man, we just wasted like two minutes no, on you just nothing. Wasted. Because, man, you guys be putting me on the spot. All right. Anyways, Oretta. Hi, Oretta. Hi. Hi, Oretta. So Oretta. Applause at, bro. T- t- Tell us a little bit about what you're doing, who you are, a little bit of background. Because like I told these guys earlier, you have enough alphabets behind your, behind your name. We want to know all about the CSWs, the LDS, and the LCSWDs, and all that. Oh, shh. I read, too. <laughs> no, no. I'm glad to be on this, exactly for this reason. Because, I've, I mean, I'm also with Lior's mom, blogging on whenever he's on live. Uh, when I can catch oh, that's two. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> two <laughs> people on live. So, yeah. yeah. No, because um, we uh, the the platform y'all are, are sharing, even if it was just to talk good story kind, um, <laughs> it really uh, you have an influence, even though you might not think so. And uh, and uh, and it's the influence that I felt like why I wanted to be on this podcast was really to share, you know, a, a different perspective in our community. Um, to this audience that you serve, um, because it might not be they, they, it might not people be people that understand or know what else is going on in our community, but it's but it's uh, good information for our families and our communities to know. That's that what we need. Sense. Information is key, right? So, so, so tell us what's what's been going on in Oretta's life. Tell us what a little bit because we know your background as far as what was on the internet, but yeah. let us know like the groups you're involved with. Some of the things that you get, you've been doing and involved with, with doing some of the resources that you may have in our community. Yeah, so I'll just share, and then I, I hope, like, yeah, this is more talk story than me talking uh, by myself because the dialogue I want really is from your perspective as male Pacific Islanders in the community, right? Um, I grew up in Laie, small town, everybody knows. Um, graduated out of Kahuku 93. I, uh, had, I got pregnant before I got married. Um, very religious family I come from. So my, anyways, my last name is Mapu, my maiden name. My grandmother is a new Matalolo, and my my grandfather uh, is a Mapu. And then on my mother's side, she's a Malufao, and her father, I mean, her mother is a Maunga Salanoa. Um, mm. Just big, bit big more, family, big little, wow, big family. A little yeah. bit more uh, history. Um, but then, um, so yeah, my, my parents got divorced when we were young in high school, but my families are very, still very close all raised on the same street in Moana. Uh, I'm on a street in Laie. And so very tight-knit, very religious, still strong background. Uh, my grandparents, like, 
pushed education a lot um, with us. We had a really, I think, I want to say balanced life in that my mom's family was not so very uh, active in the church, but were members. And then my dad's family, very active and strong members. And so we had, I felt like this balance that really helped my sister and my brother and I um, get through a lot of the things that we did as uh, being raised by, you know, my mom was single. My dad was still in our life. He, was, he also lives in, in Laia and got remarried. Both of them got remarried. Um, and I share that just to share just the background of, of where I came from. And a lot of other families seem very similar, but still very strong um, church background, faith background, and uh, community. And so um, coming out of that community, I mean, uh, you guys know, Laia is very strong and very tight when it comes to culture and being there for each other when things uh, happen. Of and, course. You yeah. guys converted my cousin, so I believe it. Anyways, yeah, to correct yeah. him, I was born in that town. Okay, guys. So thank yeah. you. Check my birth certificate. Anyways, go ahead. Yeah, and so just being from that community um, and seeing a lot of the things that we were raised in through the church, but also experiencing things that, you know, weren't, weren't so very accepted in the church, um, I I felt like um, my mom played a big role in helping other people navigate being a single mom as far as resources go. A lot of shame and blame around divorce, around being on state programs like food stamps and Section 8 and all of these things. And we had gone through that as a family. But she um, she didn't, we weren't ever ashamed of it, I think, because she she would explain to us that I need this help right now. And, and then when I get on my feet, you know, we'll... And she did just that. She took advantage of the program. She got uh, did first to work, got a certificate in travel, and started working for Murdoch Travel, which is a Utah-owned uh, agency that was huge in Laie. Right in Lanilo Lodge. Right. right yeah. The only travel agency there. And she just really worked hard as a single mother and, and really set an example for us that um, we life may not go the way it's planned to go, but it's okay. I got you and we'll move on. We'll learn from it and we'll move on. So I pretty much learned that throughout my life. And um, my dad, very athletic family, has brothers that all played football, rugby, all of that. And they, um, he really wanted us to play sports when we got out in, in college. But because I got pregnant, I didn't get to, to go. And so anyways, non-traditional student after four kids, uh, I was in the Head Start program with Tamara and the kids, and um, our, one of our home visitors, Lillian Makayao, who, who is now passed, she kept saying, Oretta, you need to share your story. You need to go back to the high school and talk to these kids who were getting pregnant, and all D1 athletes getting mm-hmm. scholarships to play sports, but now got pregnant and the, the boyfriend was a football player or whatever. These kids think it's the end of their life, and I want you to go back and share your story. So I, I started going back to the school in that way as a motivational speaker um, to just share how I had had my four kids. Uh, I got involved as a delegate um, committee member and parent committee member at, at Head Start and then started doing these talks, uh, went back to school. She encouraged me to appeal the church thing because I got pregnant and go back to BYU. I got accepted back to BYU um, and at 30 years old, I played softball two years at BYU as a seasider, uh, finished my degree, went straight through to a master's degree, and then through, to a, through a doctorate's um, program as well. And Man, wow. So awesome. I mean, I was married. we were married for a while at that time, and my husband was working for their family construction business. And um, one day I was working a night job pregnant at, at in Kaneoi, and I was painting the sidewalk because it was overnight, so there's not really anything to do. So I was painting the curb, and my grandmother was always worried because I had to go all the way there to work. So she pulled up one night at, like, 1 o'clock in the morning with my aunt, everybody in the van, and she she was crying in the van, and she just said, Letta, I don't like to see you doing this kind of work. Like, I, I need you to go back to school and you know, further your um, career so that you don't have to depend on, you know, your husband or anybody you can. And that's what really motivated me to go back. Mm-hmm. Um, but also I just seen the need because as I, when I finished my master's, I got invited to a career program at Kahuku. And um, usually it's people from outside of our community. It's never someone within the community. And so it was a privilege for me to go. But the thing that struck me um, was after the presentation, 
I was a COO of the federally qualified health center that's in in Kahuku and Haula, um, Ko'olaloa Health Center. And the kids were all excited, and, and one of my son's friends came up to me, and he said, oh, auntie, I never knew you were the boss at the health center. And, like, he was just so surprised, you know. Mm-hmm. And to me, that bothered me that our kids didn't see us in those types of positions, that yeah. they only see us in these positions that were not, you know, the executive director or Low the level COO. Yeah, yeah, right. And that was sad to me that he thought that. And so we started a youth program there. Uh, from there, we built the first school-based health center in Kahuku that was the first one in Hawaii, uh, the whole state. Mm. And, what year was that, Loretta? Um, this is in 2012. Wow. Yeah, and mm. it was a time when, you know, Didi's the uh, death, one of our football players had passed, mm. Fotu Boy, and we and that, co- that team coalition that we built was called TOPS. It was Teens on Preventing Suicide, and it was to really... Um, engage our kids to see that they could do more than just play football out of like, yeah, it's like play football, you go NFL. That's your dream, right? To get out. And, and, um, and I wanted our kids to just see that they could do more than that. Even if it wasn't a four year degree that you could do something else, you know, and still be successful. So Mm. anyways, that was the motivation that drove um, my journey, especially because now I had my own kids and, um, and leave, being from California and the, just the life that he had gone through, he he had expressed to me the same thing that you know I want my boys to see more than what I got to see. I just saw this one pathway, and and, and it was to you know eventually work yate for their family um, business. business. And um, I mean, I wanted him to do that. Uh, even to, he he was the boss of it. Yeah. You know, even that would have been fine for me. But but we just wanted more for our kids. So, anyways, it led to us moving here because I would never leave Laie. I was like, no, I'm not going. There's no way I'm going to move. Um, sorry. But my son came with Doc Nalea'i mm-hmm. through T um, uh, of Fahingawe. And he told And it was through a Facebook post. Like, my cousin Stevie Nuasalolo was talking with him, and I side-busted on the conversation. And and then he had said, hey, Stevie, why don't you bring your nephew over here so he can play at Orem? And I was like, oh, uh, I was like, yes, please. And then that conversation led to we moved here from Laie. The things the parents do for their kids, man. Right? Oh, yeah. And and my family was like, what? You got to take these boys away from Kahuku and... Um, but at the time, my oldest son, LT, who you, you know, um, he struggled at Kahuku. Um, a- academics was not his thing, and he and I knew it. Not that he's a not a good kid or intelligent kid. He's so smart, but he's very hands-on, very le- much like his dad, learns everything by doing it. Yeah, right. and so um, we moved here, and he got so much support. I mean, from, like, not doing anything at Kahuku to three point something. I think at least he graduated his GPA here. Oh, he was great. <laughs> and and he came back to help uh, coach the kids on those way back. LT, we love him. That that was yeah. a blessing for Orem because the the influx of those kids that came from the island really changed the culture at, at Orem. Anyways, we, we, sorry. Just proud of my Orem <laughs> no, Tigers. Yeah. No, yeah, please jump in at, at, um, and, and share your thoughts around anything I'm sharing because um, – he he really thrived here, and um, my younger son was only in mm-hmm. sixth grade, but he already had told us we, he he didn't go to Laia school. He went to Haula, mm-hmm. and you know the politics of there about around yeah. where you come from. So he didn't want to go to Kahuku. He wanted to go to private school, which is another like controversy back mm-hmm. home. Like, what you got to play for Kahuku? Um, and so it just worked out that when we came here, he got to play for Orem. So it was a part of, mm. you know, Kingsley, them yep, four year championship. Yep. yep. And he played uh, D line for, for Orem and he went to Puget Sound and now he just transferred to Utah Tech. But, um, nice. we, that's yeah. the goal yeah. to get that, that free school. That's yeah. the goal, you know, yeah. so are you doing boys. anything right now in our community here? Here? Yeah. yeah. So here, when we moved here, um, I, so my background is in social work. Okay. Mm. I graduated and got a job at the Utah Public Health Association to build a workforce that's called community health workers. And um, if you don't know what that is, it it really for us back home is like the aunties and uncles that you go to when you need something that like 
uh, Relief Society president. If I need help with food, I go to her and she will find those resources to connect me to those. What about a new social security card? (laughs) (laughs) You know what? Some of our CHWs know how to do that too. (laughs) Can we have their name after the show? (laughs) Please. I just need a SIM for 50. But we help navigate these resources like immigration status, uh, uh, Medicaid or, you know, insurance coverage helping people sign up for all these yeah. right right yeah connect them and uh and the reason why we're successful in it is because we've lived these experiences yeah. we've gone through it yeah. right and we speak the language of the communities we serve and we represent them because we live in those communities as well um some of the big things that are hard for state resources to reach our community is that they're not from our community oh, and okay. so they're not accepted very well because they're looked at as you know, state workers. And yeah. Yeah. and because of undocumented people and all of that, people are scared. They don't trust the system. Uh, when ICE, it was a big thing. There, Everyone was scared to talk to anything that was yeah. part of the government. So are you working with young adults, youth? Everybody. Everybody. Oh, okay. Family, single yeah. parents, yeah. single moms, single dads. And that's for anybody, right? For anybody. Oh, okay. So from UPHA, I got hired uh, at the University of Utah I now am teaching classes to School of Medicine uh, students on how to best work with uh, underserved populations. I I also teach at UVU and um, do some classes at BYU as a guest speaker. Nice. And then um, I work with two uh, nonprofit organizations. One is called the Utah Pacific Island Health Coalition, and Jake Fitisimanu is the uh, executive director for Salt Lake, and I'm the director for Utah County. And nice. then I am the COO for the Pacific Island Knowledge to Action Resources, which is PICTUAR, um, as and I and we work on val- violence prevention. So. Yeah, Reta, uh, that's the one of the main reasons why we invited our second guest who's sitting here, uh, just to give a little introduction. This is my brother Wes Tuyasoa. Um, Wes has been on our um, podcast what a couple times? Yeah, yeah, through the phone. And because via satellite, via satellite, (laughs) because I knew you were here and I knew all the services and all the resources you provided. I told Leroy and Hobart, I was like, Hey, maybe we should bring my brother on so he can share his story. And I kind of wanted you two to network together because I know that he just got out. uh, He's been here since Saturday from his half West, but I just want to introduce Wes. Go ahead and tell Aretz a little bit about your story and you know, uh, whatever you want to say. So, I'm Wesley too. So uh, I grew up in Hawaii, in Laie, on the Osepa Street, right down. The street. My neighbors were the Kanahenlas. No. Yeah, oh, so, bro. Oh, cause <laughs> what? Eighty-seven boys. <laughs> so um, my background is uh, moved from Laie to uh, Inglewood, California, in the uh, mid '80s, early '80s, and um, for me that transition was different. I went from growing up around Tongans, Samoans, Fijians, Tahitians, uh, Koreans, Chinese, Japanese, and Hawaiians to a place where nobody could understand me. Um, Couldn't really get my footing. And from fourth, fifth, sixth grade, I found my footing in the gang culture. You know, um, people say... People join gangs for whatever reason. My mind was, I just never felt like I fit in. Um, I was surrounded by the church, grew up in the church. My grand, my grandfather was a bishop. My dad's a bishop. Um, my uncles are bishops. Um, so the church was always the foundation. Um, getting in the gang culture in the 80s, I always explained to everybody, life was different. When I say different, you know, um, and the one thing I'm super conscious about when I'm sharing my story, uh, Retta, is I don't want to glamorize it, mm-hmm. but I still have to tell the truth, right? So I was the kid passing out sacrament with the nine millimeter. That's who I was. I was that kid because... Where our church was is right off of Imperial and Ramona on 115. So just walking back home or walking to school was life and death. 
I know it's hard to explain, and I know it's hard to for kids nowadays to fathom that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? But that's just the way it was. Um, everything was kind of matter of fact. You could only walk down this street. Can't walk down that street. Can't cross this street. Can't eat over there. Can't go to that school. That's that's how life was for me. Um, 87, I was arrested for a double murder, attempted murder with AK. Um, they were trying to give me life without. At the age of 18, this, this tells you my mindset. At the age of 18, looking at life without in prison, they came to me with a 17-to-life deal. And at the age of 18, I thought I could do this and get out. And that is the God's honest truth. I really believe that at the age of 18. And that was what year was that? That was 1987. Yeah. So in 1987, I accepted a plea deal, basically pleading out for the murder, the attempted murder and the gun for 17 to life. Um, went to prison, um, showed up in Old Folsom State Prison in 87, 88. And uh, my mindset had to change. I created a whole different persona to allow myself to survive in that, in that culture. Um, you know, um, being a Tongan kid, uh, coming in there, um, some of the first people that embraced me were Samoans. One of my first cellies was a Samoan who kind of mentored me. You know, um, and then through my years... I ended up doing 35 years, and I did like almost 21 in the hole because I I wasn't able to deal with, uh, I had anger issues, you know. I wasn't able to process correctly how to deal with things. The way I dealt with issues, hurt people hurt people, right? And I was trying to hurt people. So I'll fast forward my story to... 2016, 2017, uh, with my brother Strontz, we had a, a conversation. I told him, hey, um, I'm backing up. I'm backing up. I'm going to need an allowance. <laughs> because I've been taking care of myself for a long time in prison. But now it was like when you step back, you're not involved in all the uh, intricate details of prison. Um, I had to make a decision to where, you know what? I was always putting other people first and putting my family on on the side. And I know a lot of people that have done time understand that. Um, that realization kind of kind of hit me, you know. Um, but always, always a, again, I'll go back to always having the church as a foundation. The one thing I always joke around is, you know, every time I had a, came to a crossroads or a decision in prison, you know, the first thing that popped in my head was from something when I was eight years old. Choose the right, you know? And how does that pop in your head? You're in prison, you're getting ready to go hurt someone. That's the, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> okay. Sorry, okay. I'm Mormon. Okay, cousin. Okay. Always got to recognize the spirit. But I'm going to be honest, every time I was put in a situation that was life or death, this thing popped in my head. My CTR ring from the Tongan Lightyear branch. What? I was baptized right there in Lightyear, right by the Ica, behind the Ica's house where the reefs are on the right side of Lightyear Point. That's where I was baptized. And it's, it's crazy how this always popped in my head when I would come to these crossroads. Choose the right. But for whatever reason, I kept choosing the wrong. It was until me and Strauss had this conversation, and for the first time I was honest with him. I told him, hey, I'm going to back up. I'm going to do everything I can to come home. And then um, I ran into Popo in 2019. You know, I, I wasn't even looking for a relationship. And one of the first things, Strauss is familiar with this story, and Leroy's heard it. First thing she told me is, look, I'm a, I'm, a, I'm a temple holder. I go to the temple. You want to talk to me, you're going to have to do come follow me. And I was like, what, what is come follow me? 
know, so there's a lot of blessings that have come into my life that I can't deny. Um, I, so um, I do my 35 years in prison, Loretta, and then the Lord says, hold up there, cowboy. Uh, I'm still, you need, still need you to go to ICE. So I parole last year, July 13th, 2022, from San Quentin State Prison, and they sent me to uh, ICE in Denver, Colorado. But the blessing was when they when I was in San Francisco and the ICE detainee, they said, hey, if you have family here, call them. You can visit. We, we're not even tripping. I called Strauss. Strauss is in the front of San Quentin State Prison waiting for me. I said, hey, I'm right here in downtown uh, San Francisco at the ICE uh, Center. Can you come through? He's like, I'm coming. My boy came through. We kicked it. How long, Strauss? Yeah, Three hours. I can't believe it's been a year. It just seemed like yeah, yesterday. That was, yeah. It just went that out. fast. Yeah. Yeah. Strong comes that. up there. We're kicking it. The the officers there are like, man, y'all, y'all go ahead and kick it. Came and brought me lunch. We're chilling. And we, we sat there and we thought, all right, what's the plan? What's the plan? We we know you're going to go to ICE. What's the plan? We thought I was going to Tonga. Mm. I get to ICE. Have a little misunderstanding with some Nigerians. <laughs> You know what I mean? Over a TV. And again, I think... Uh, we have followers in Nigeria, just to let you know. And I, <laughs> and I love my Nigerian people. <laughs> but getting to ICE, I go to court on August 15th. The judge tells me, all right, you're found guilty for an aggravated felony. So in in uh, ICE, when you go to court, immigration court, aggravated felonies are what they use to send you and deport you. Mm. Right, they don't care about what your case is, as long as it falls under aggravated felony. I go up there because I was found guilty for a murder. It comes under aggravated felony, and the judge looks at me. She goes, "Mr. Tuyasoa, um, you have no recourse." And I asked one question. I said, "Is there any relief that I can seek?" She said, "No. I'm ordering you uh, deported." I go back. I hit strong. Hey, I just. Uh, Came back from court. I'm being deported to Tonga. So, Strauss is in motion now. All right, let's do this. Boom. We got to, okay, don't worry. I'm going to do this. I'm going to talk to Dad. We're going to see what's going on, what we're going to do in Tonga. Right? So, now it's like I'm going to Tonga. I call Popo. She's like, so what's going on? So, now we're planning Tonga, Tonga. Everything is Tonga right now. I talked to a, a nonprofit organization called Romaine. Uh, Rocky Mountain Initiative Advocacy Network. Um, I share my stories real quick. Yeah, I did 35 years. She's like, when were you? She asked me one question. She said, when were you convicted? I said, I was convicted. Bless you. I was convicted in 1988, May 25th or something like that. She goes, so it was before uh, November 10th of 1988? I said, yeah. Okay, well. A couple days later, the guy, the ICE agent, comes in there to take my picture for my passport. I'm standing against the white wall. The ICE agent comes in there, takes my picture. Bam, bam. All right, Tuyasoa, we got it. Right when he took the last picture, Tuyasoa, you have an attorney visit. Mm. The loophole. I don't have an attorney <laughs> visit. First off, I'm already, I'm already being deported. Yeah. He goes, you have an attorney visit. So I sit there. You sure? You're the only two you saw here. I'm like, you know what? I'll just go. I go. I wait three hours to see this attorney. I'm just sitting in a room, a cubicle. Like, the officers come by. You all right? You all right? I said, yeah, yeah, I'm good. You sure? We can take you back. Something's telling me to stay. This guy, Connor Gleason, eventually comes and talks to me. He goes, I apologize. These were all my clients. Mm. But you're the... I've been wanting to talk to you. He explained to me that there's a thing called a 212C waiver hearing. A 212C waiver hearing is for people with aggravated felonies that have been convicted before November 10th, 1988. And because of that one little thing, and he said, did you ask for relief? I said, yeah. So he asked for the DAR, the digital audio recording. Mm-hmm. From court that said that you saying I I want relief that I requested relief but the judge said no there's no relief and mm-hmm. that's what happened and that was the loophole the judge denied me good job judge 
<laughs> That's all they needed. So he tells me, I can help you. We can do this. This is what I need from you. Basically, the same packet that I had for my parole hearing in California, I utilized the same step to when we went to, when we went to court on February 28th. Fast forward, we're in court, my trial. They threw it all out. I got blessed. Yeah. <coughs> choose the right. Yeah, choose the, the right. W. <laughs> choose the, choose it. CTW. Choose the wrong. I mean, this is the thing. <laughs> That's right? the story, Rota. Like, oh, sorry. I know this. Is, you said this is a family show, but this is what really pisses me off about this system, right? Mm. It's the passion behind the war- the reason I do what I do. Is because of stories like this, and unfortunately, I've heard so many of them like this. I mean, the story about, and I, I apologize, I, I don't know the names, but um, there was a kid here that went to court that died in the courtroom, a yes. Tongan kid. Yeah. So, so that case, there were several other young men who were involved in that case, and I know they, they share this story a lot, but there's a program called Write Your Pen that Pictar uh, was involved in, where they were writing letters to, to, to get these other kids who were convicted when they were young kids um, to come out now who have been there for a long time. And one of the, the kids came out. I, and I, again, mm. pr- I can't remember his name, but um, since Sarah Teo was helping with this program and that's what, how this kid came out of prison. Um, but the reason why uh, my passion for this work is here is because of stories like yours, which I, and, and we have a group called So Pixar does women's empowerment groups. And it was focused on violence prevention for women who were victims of, of violence. But Simipoteki um, Malohifo'o, he has a long, very colorful history, I, I'm told, in Tonga. <laughs> and, um, but he, when he came here, he had learned a lot of things, had attended a violence prevention conference with Susie, and he was like, man, something needs to be done in our Pacific Island community with our men. And he wanted to, he was so excited to take all this information that he came back and told Susie, I'm going to go to every cover club and I'm going to tell them, let's talk about violence. Oh, yeah. He does, he does that podcast, the uh, Kava Talks. Kava Talks is the, the the men's group. And so, yeah, everybody asked, do you guys <laughs> drink Kava there? Like, no, we don't drink Kava. But um, it, it, it because it's a place of gathering for our Pacific Island men where where you guys go to like hang out and yeah. chill and, you know, whatever, that he took that concept and made it a place for a safe space for Pacific Island men to come and have these very hard conversations without being judged, without beefing after the kava, you know, drinking, yeah. all of these things. And yeah. um, and so now it's just attracted so many different men who have very similar stories um, to come back and share these stories and, and how they got into it, but also start talking about how do we change this for our young men now, how do we change this perception that they have that is so like this tough guy um, image that um, so that they can see another side of who we are and who we can be as males. Right. And that became my like real passion because of my sons. I just wanted them to see our Pacific Island men in a good light, right? Good role models right. who, yeah. you know, have been through some stuff, but they, you know, They've turned their lives around and they're doing better. And one of them was, was, is their dad. You know, he has uh, went, the reason why they went to Hawaii was because he to was get getting away. into too much trouble there. Monga too. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and he was the guy at Kahuku who came there with his dickies and his red rag and LA. fighting everybody. <laughs> right, and and his gun. And we're like, dude, where are you from? Mm. We don't fight over here, especially Samoans and Tongans. Where yeah. where he came from, he said they didn't get along. And so um, even our marriage was kind of a, you know, I'm not Tongan. So. Right, right. But um, just that different, and I didn't understand it. And even now in Utah, I don't understand mm-hmm. why our Pacific Islanders have beef with each other. Like, yeah. to me, it's so sad. So. Even if it's not openly talked about, that right. underlining thing, it's still there. Especially, like, my sisters, they marry Tongan. And I remember my dad and the comments that he made, and I'm thinking, we're not in ancient times. Yeah. You know what I mean? But I think it's even, I mean, I think for us, we grasp, this is just my own opinion. Please speak on it. We grasped onto things that um, are familiar to us. And so if my dad says, you know, don't do that, I'm not going to do that. And who did I pass that on? Onto my own son. And, and it continues to roll on generation to generation. The good thing about a lot of this stuff that we talk about is 
that if we talk about it, sometimes we just talk about the problem, but mm-hmm. we don't talk about a solution. Right. So as these different talks are talked about, some of the things that I would I would suggest to uh, a younger me, if I was to go back and I would tell them the younger me, the younger me would say, I would tell the younger me from the older me, just a little bit older. Man, I would say, deep. this is deep. This is. I'm <laughs> yeah. always deep. What are you talking Speak about? on it. I would tell the younger me from the older me that listen more and not just talk. Because sometimes when you're younger, you're hearing, but you're not really listening. So all the guys, you and then you see, I want that 64 Impala. I want to ride with those guys on the corner. I want the money that's in their pocket. But they don't see what's happening, the consequences behind that. Because nothing in life is free. Free agency is not free. But anyways, as we go, now that we're older, you go back and you you think about, man, that was stupid. Now you try to translate that to your own son. But your own son is hearing stories about when you were younger. Mm-hmm. Hey, it worked for you. You turned out all right. But if I was to do it again, I would be that much further ahead. Man, I am deep. But the, the thing is, like you brought up, it's the glamorization of, of all of this lifestyle, right? I mean, we only knew this gang life from TV. When when Lee and his family, I think Taufa, um, oh, I forgot Taufa, Yuleni, he came from Kelly at the same time, I think, after. Campelli's brother. Yes, Campelli's brother. He Yuleni. just got out of jail, and then he came with the Hapokas. He came to Leia, yep. And then he went on a mission, got he, he, just got hit, his got story. Got an accident. Exactly, mm-hmm. right? And and um, we we never knew any of that until they came, and then they shared all these things. Like, their attitudes about, you know, even being in Hawaii was so different. Right. But, um, again, like, the our young boys were watching this and thinking, man, so cool. I want to be like those guys that are from California and boys in the hood and all this stuff, you know. Because it's glamorized. Right. Yeah. So with all the different things and problems that are going on in the Polynesian community with violence, even domestic violence, mm-hmm. uh, sexual assault, uh, rape, those, all those things are always swept underneath our community. What is the common denominator? Because Wes and Strons, with the background that Wes grew up in, he had two parents. They were strong in the church. Uh, culturally, you know, always, um, you know, the the culture was always there. You're taught respect, you're taught love, respect for your women. Where did it go wrong? Like, there, there's a lot of things that statistics that they say, oh, a single mom, their kids will turn out like this. They're single mom. But we just have a perfect example. Two-parent household, mm-hmm. strong in the church, culturally, you know, aware of the things that he's taught. What is the common denominator in all these different problems? And I'm asking you a question because I don't know. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, that's a good question for Wes. Wes, yeah. what do you think for you? I mean, Wes said anger. Well, but it can, must come it from goes, something. Well, okay. well, it goes. I mean, it goes. So when, when you're when you're talking about things like this, you're 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 going you're going deep. Or like you're talking about emotional literacy now. You're talking about cognitive. Behavioral therapy. Right, and we weren't and taught to, t- to talk about that as right. a young kid. You just taught to hold it in, you know, don't so, talk about it. So through my recovery, um, being sober 13 years now, um, for me, everything started being sober. Mm. Um, as I became sober, made the decision to become sober. Everybody has different ways of becoming sober. Cool. Whatever works for you mm-hmm. works. Right. For me, I just made a decision. I said, you know what? Today I'm done. I'm good. It was just one comment. Me and my boy Nico. We was we smoke every morning. Every morning we smoke. See, that's crazy. A lot of people don't think that you know that you have that in prison, but you have access oh, they to have all more that. More access, bro. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> we know that. I mean, but, but good for, for the people that are listening, <laughs> our listeners, our listeners don't understand that they're like, "What? How did he get that when he was in prison?" But they don't understand everything you got out here is amplified in there. It's all in the movies, bro. I've been smoking Kush. <laughs> yeah. First Kush I smoked was purple. Mm. So Kush came out. We so Laker Kush. We were smoking purple. <laughs> you know what I mean? You want to talk about ecstasy pills? We had boats. Mm. You know what I'm saying? So if you want it, you'll find it. Look, it, it's not even that. You you trying to survive in there? Right. Also, mm. oh, it's taking you away. It's it's taking you away, but at the same time, like for me, I was conscious of not asking my parents for money. Mm. You know what I mean? That, yeah. that was that was my motive. But that's a Polynesian he even, thing. He didn't even want us to visit him. But, but that's a Polynesian no, no, thing. I'm going to go deeper than that. I'm going to go deeper than that. 
my family never visited me my whole 35 years. Mm-hmm. Not mm. because they didn't want to. You told them not. You I want said, to. I'm good. Yeah. I could not see myself saying goodbye to my parents in that visiting room. Mm. Yeah. Well, in 21 years of that, you was in the hole. So it's like I wouldn't hear from him for five years. And he goes, hey, I'm out. Where you been? I was in the hole. I couldn't, hey, I couldn't call. Sean still came and saw you. And, 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 <laughs> I'm sorry, Wes. But, but, but for our listeners. This guy was pre- every president in California up and down the state. But for our listeners, the hole is he's only allowed to be. He's in the. In in total solitation for twenty three hours out of twenty four, right? Twenty three yeah. and one. Twenty three, and he get one hour to just whatever outside get some air. So so when when you talk about you know what is the motivating factor of change or what you know they talk about triggers. They'll tell you you know figure out what your triggers are. So for so for me, my triggers used to be about shame. That was my that was my trigger mm. because I was so shameful of what I did, but it wasn't because of my parents; it was what my grandparents thought of me. Mm. I think that's part of guilt, shame, so shame guilt, guilt, yeah, all fall. It, it's all in that same tree. Yeah, I think that's right? our culture. It is. Yeah. That is a cultural culture. thing. Yeah. Huh? You know, someone's so, is well, ma. Yeah, you yeah. know your your shame. Same thing as talking about ma. So, Don't so, copy us. Yeah, so my grandfather passes away in 2002. What do I do? I I go look for a problem. Create a problem, almost kill somebody, end up in the hole. But that's how you dealt with it. That's how I did. And and that's why we we love to have Oretta here because now we're able to cuz there's kids that are listening to this podcast right now. Oh yeah. yeah. And they need an outlet. They need yeah. a a program that they can get into. Like I wish my cousin I wish he was in the program too cuz he had some anger <laughs> issues too growing wow. up. You know, I had to like talk to him all the time in primary, like stop throwing stuff or pulling that girl's hair in primary. You know, so there was some interesting. You must be talking about a different cousin. Cause, yeah, uh... so, but the programs that the state has, a lot of the, the our culture, I mean, our community, they're like, man, I ain't paying that. You know yeah. what I mean? I'm not going to pay or for that. Or they don't feel comfortable going to certain Because there's not somebody. people that look like them. Right. 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 And so like. We, we even have a group that's here. I won't mention who the therapist is, but there's a group over here of Polynesian men that talk about pornography. You know, they, they have groups that they talk about that. It happens in our group, in our, yeah. our community too. Same thing. So other things that are happening in other communities happens happen here. in our communities. But we were taught, don't sh- talk about don't it. Sh- sh- quiet. Sweep it under the table. Well, that's why yeah. I love this, your platform, because I feel like you guys are very comfortable Talking about things that we don't talk about, you know. Yeah. I mean, we don't talk oh. about what Leroy I mean, just brought up. But I mean, hey, you know, you know me. I don't, I talk about everything. Yeah, but then, here. I read the, yeah. but like what Leroy said, inspired Polynesia. We just trying to be different. Yeah, right. so, well, that's why I brought my brother here so we can share his story, and you can be. You know, this is your plat. This is what you do. Mm. Yeah. So you know? uh, let me let me share this real quick, Loretta. So I know, like my guys that I came out with prison, my crew that was creating all this chaos in there. Our goal now is to come out here and fix stuff because who can fix it better than the people that broke it? You know, we, we want to go speak to the youth. We want to, you know what I mean? And just, and change that, that paradigm, right? Where everyone thinks this is cool, but we trying to make something else cool now. Mm-hmm. Yep. Cool. It's cool to go to school. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's, it's cool to get a degree. It's cool to make multi-million yeah. dollars the right way. <laughs> but you know, but I mean? you know what, Wes? No. Sometimes I feel like other other people like see it differently. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like yeah. they want to hear war stories. Oh, right. Other right. people want to hear. Right. Other so, people want to hear the success. You know what I mean? Like right. yeah. you got two groups right. that that looks at yeah. our society like that. That's, you know that, what I mean? that's why when you talk about like if you were able to go back to your younger self and. Talk about you wouldn't be talking about if your older self was yeah. go back to your younger self. You wouldn't be talking about war stories. I would have said, "Self, take the blue pill. I mean, the red pill." <laughs> you would be like, "Self, take my hand and slap your face." Like it, it, it's an opportunity it was for from you Matrix, to, Matrix, bro. I, I know, yeah. I know. Okay, Did Keanu you? Reeves. All right, so the the exactly the point that my cousin's talking about that sometimes kids think it, it's cool. They think that yeah. oh, we want to hear about we want to hear about how you a G, yeah. but. And then another thing, too, is like looking at these helmets, a lot of kids think my only avenue out is to make it as a as a professional football player or a professional athlete 
or I want to be a rapper. And we see that in every community, even in the black community, the Mexican community. You want to see that. Our kids see that too because it's glamorized. Turn on the TV, that's who you see. They see Tua Tagovailoa. They see all these guys making these big contracts. But there's another way to be the COO, you know, yeah. or, or some way that, that's doing something different. You know, the hustle is, yeah. is the same, yeah. but it's different. So what do you do? You have to highlight it. Right. You have that's to why we, highlight it. That's no, why we inspire Polynesia. No, we I'm here. saying this, this is the perfect platform to it. But now the question is, how do we take the next step? Mm. Because at the end of the day, what I come to figure out, it was always about the youth. Yep. Yeah. yeah. You know, even yep. today. So you, we look back today and we look at everything. You're looking at years of experience in this room, right? Now, how do we come together and push it to the next level, mm. to the point where we can make this a regular daily conversation mm-hmm. in the household? Yeah. That's the goal. The goal is to have the conversation, not just on platforms like this, but yeah. in the household, because we all know it starts in the house. Right. Yeah. And the walls of yeah, your yeah, own yeah. home, that is where you're going to so, affect the lives so of now, these kids. So now we, we sit here and we're like, okay, it, it's about information, right? Yeah. You don't know what you don't know. So here's the thing. How do we take the next step? And this is something, the conversation me and Strauss had when I was in prison. I was like, bro, how do we do it? How do we, you know, do we got to go to every mutual? Right. Do I mean, yeah. how do we? Because everybody's got different talents. Somebody well, wants to be you, a cook. You, you reach them with this. this Social media. Because everyone has right. a phone yeah. and everyone. Right. So you know, that's how we start. And that, it's here. It's this room. Yes. Yep. This platform. So that's how we start. Is we talk yeah. about it here and then it gets shared. And then we follow up. And then you have programs that Aretha's part of, like right. Pick Tutar and all the other stuff. And then we support her. That's and, how we and put And like you said, it's <clears throat> so so here's the thing. I know everybody has heard about it, right? Mm-hmm. But the question is, do they know everything? Do they know the inside, yeah. the ins and outs? Do they know yeah. what she does on a daily basis? Right. Do, do they know that this week she's at you she's at BYU? They don't know. Do that. they understand next Tuesday yeah. she's at the U of U? Right. Yeah. And Aretha well, travels a lot. Yeah, I do. <laughs> well, the thing when you talk about common denominator, how do we fix this? And like and and you like are on point about all of that. What for me what it stems down to is communication, right? Cuz we don't mm. The way we communicate in poly families, there, there's, right. no there's no communication unless it's right. from your parents. Right. <laughs> and, and so we listen so when this um, right. incident happened at the Hunter High School with the shooting and the yeah. Asiata kid and mm-hmm. all of that, we were called in to do some work with the with the pop classes. And pop is Pacific, people of the Pacific. It's a program that was developed by a Tongan guy, I think, from here. Um, that, and then their curriculum is out of UVU, so they started to have these pop classes in certain areas where there are a large population of yeah. Pacific Island kids. So we, we went to this pop class and they just wanted us to feel out where the kids are, where, what are they, how are they dealing with all this going on, you know, mentally and all these things. With mental health is like very high right now in, in our community, a lot of suicides going on. And so when we went in there, um, that's what we got from the kids. We said, what is it that you guys want us to do? What do you want us to bring to you so that you can, you know, live a healthier life and, and feel safe where you are. And and what it came down to at both Granger and Hunter were was were issues around identity. They they repped the tongue and like when I said, Hey, I want you guys to introduce yourself to me. Tell me your first and last name because that'll tell me a lot. And then I want you to tell me um what nationality you are. And every kid that got up was very adamant about saying, oh, I'm full-blooded Tongan. I'm 100% to- uh, Samoan. You know, rapping like very yep. hard. But when we touch it, what does that mean? What does that mean for you to be Tongan? Yeah. And they didn't know. And, and and many of them, when we got down, well, like when we gained their trust to have this co- deeper conversation, um, I, I won't ever forget this Tongan kid that was in there. Big kid, but very, not a football player. And he stressed that in his sharing, um, raised by a single mother who was deported to Tonga and then brought back mm. and um, said, uh, a very smart kid, and said he was um, being uh, pressured because he didn't want to play football. But he's a um, 4.0 student, like just smart kid, didn't want to do that. He wanted to do other things, and he said that he had promised his mom that um, that he would go to school and then do what do what she asked and to take care of her. And um, and when we asked about like what does that mean to be Tongan, who are you? What does that mean to be Samoan? They said they don't know. And when we said, okay, what what do you know about your culture? Because I know you all speak Tongan. You guys, you know, all the fall of love is you're at. And they said, 
Well, I don't really know what it means. I just know we go to the wedding, we give them money, we make food, all of these things. <laughs> mm. And so um, when we asked them, well, what do you, what, how can we help you to better get, know your culture? And um, one of the things I said to them is when, when you go home, I want you to go and tell your parents that we had this conversation. And I want you to, to step out of your comfort zone and say, hey, dad, can you tell me about your childhood, like your upbringing? Because my kids heard a lot of my husband's stories like this. <laughs> and my son was like, wow, you know, you got to have a gun in school and da, 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 all these things. Right. Um, so, again, the glamorization, that's all he knew. And in his mind, it was like, oh, that's how I connect with my dad. But not knowing the stories of their immigration and migration to from Tonga to, to Canada to L.A. to Hawaii and the struggle and sacrifice of his grandparents to do all of that, right? And these kids were saying the same thing. He said, oh, no, I can't talk to my dad. If I say something, he's going to stop me in the car, you know? Mm-hmm. And um, so, anyways, we challenged them this, and we said to them, okay, this is what we're going to do. We're going to bring experts around culture. They wanted to learn about the background of Tatao. They wanted to learn the background of um, the Si'is and Father of Love is what kava ceremonies because uh, their <laughs> understanding of what kava is, is is totally different than the, the traditional yeah. meaning, right? Yeah. And so we did. We brought people in to talk about these different things and they, they drew their own tataus and, uh, of their lineage and their families. And um, this one kid came back and said, Oh, you know, yesterday I was with my dad in the car and we were singing song and song. And I don't know my language, but I want to learn it. And I know the words of the song, but I don't know what it means. So I said to my dad, and I was waiting for a slap, but I said, oh, dad, can you tell me what this song means? And it led to the father sharing about the song and about where he came from and all of these things. And this kid literally almost cried in this class saying, I've never had this kind of seen my dad in this light you know i've never had this kind of conversation with him ever but it felt good to 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 know where he came from and it made help me to understand why he is so hard on me as a chat as a kid and why he wants me to learn so much of this western life because he had such a hard life you know mm. in tonga and, yeah. and so anyways that communication is what we are lacking because we sweep so many things under the rug right we don't want to mm-hmm. talk about them and it's got to be honest communication it has to some, be honest. Some, some sometimes kids will they're scared yeah yeah, yeah. They, they don't want to have the consequences I also like to say that communication and timing you know what I mean oh, yeah like we can't just full-on tell a whole story like while they're eight and ten years oh, yeah. old no. I always tell my kids like there's a time and time place and for place. everything <laughs> you know there's when you guys get a little bit older I'll start opening up a little bit more but right now we'll just stick to part one we're PG 12 right now yeah yeah Not PG 12 PG you, you know, know what I mean yeah you can't go to rated R right now yeah, well, I don't have a rated R part. Yeah, PG thirteen. Yeah. the The opportunity for us to have Orita on is is key because part of our our podcast a few weeks ago we had a uh, a lady that was an addiction uh, addict and she was talking about addiction. She wasn't of our, you know, she was white, but a lot of the similarities were the same. But the thing that she was different from us was the fact that she was well, she wanted to tell her story. There's very few yeah. people that yeah. would in, in the Polynesian culture that would tell that story. And so as we revisit this, because we're probably going to have to have a part two of this, this discussion is because yeah. our kids, like we had a, a lady that, I mean, it was a, yeah, she, she was an adult, but they inboxed me from New Mexico, uh, married a Fijian, uh, you know, all this stuff. But she wanted to know because she wanted to know, like, what is the difference between our culture now than the culture that we grew up in. There's a lot of difference, mm-hmm. you know, a big difference. Even the seas yeah. are different. Oh, you yeah. Know? yeah. Like, I like Mountain Dew. Nobody brought Mountain Dew when we were growing up as seas, you know. But, yeah, I'm just saying. There's a, but, there's a lot more to that. Yeah, thing, yeah. But you know? but I, what I'm saying is the, the, the tolerance level has, I don't know, gone up or down. It just depends on which spectrum you're looking at if that we tolerate a lot more because – there are kids that don't understand the simple things. When you walk in front of people, say something, yeah. you know, yeah. or when you, you, you're at a thing, put a love of love on or You know, there's oh, yeah. different things. Those are the simple things that we don't, the kids are not, they're, they're either oblivious or they weren't taught that at home. Yeah. You know, so 
those are the things that culture that I think will be interesting things that we can move forward and talk to our kids about communicating, yeah. you know, let me, it's, let me just add. So I know we've been talking about the kids, the kids, but you know, let me just emphasize it's the parents too, man. Yeah. yeah. The parents have to take the time to spend, to explain in detail. Right. Especially with us, the way we all grew up, we're at that certain age where we've been through it. Mm. So your job is to to impart that to right. your child. Yeah. You know, Sometimes parents are working nine to fives, and both of them are working, and they yeah. the kids are home. You don't have time for that because I remember growing up, that was me too. I had to be a mind reader. You know what? Well, mm-hmm. I didn't know I had to mow the lawn. You know, or stuff like that. You're you know, there's still was, a mind reader, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but kids like man, I can't. But then you get it. You know, you like. There's things, even at church callings, there's things that your parents expect you to do. And sometimes in these days with with mental health, and we see it all, kids going to missions, coming home because they're not ready. And then our, our people shame that kid. Yeah. That kid is, well, he came, he came home early. Yeah. That's not right. But that's you know the I mean? difference, too. Like what you're saying is the, the mindset. When we were younger, I think we observed we learned and we're like, oh, that's what we're supposed to do. Mm, yeah. But the kids nowadays, you have to draw a picture because they're like, yeah. what? Oh, that's give what them the manual. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Because yeah. they're right. Their face is buried in that phone. Yeah. And we yeah. didn't have that. Yeah. You know, my, my eight-year-old asked me, what was my favorite app growing up? App? What app? <laughs> yeah. still have the, oh, you mean Apple Jacks? <laughs> yeah. So it's a different time. It's a different, different time. time. And, and, and we've got to be able to be versed as the time moves forward because – we still have young kids. We still have the future is as bright as we can we can uh, portray it in our home. Because if you, they can't visualize it, I don't know what their life is going to be because a lot of kids want to be in the NFL. Well, do you know how to get there? Even though you see yeah. your cousins and people walking by, there was something they had to do to get there. Yeah. Yeah. And the same thing in the negative light. There was a reason why somebody moved that, that direction because of – Either lack of communication or he communicated with the wrong person. Yep. So we're going to wrap it up. We yeah. appreciate We're going to have to have Aretha on again yeah. as part two because communication is key. We're still here to inspire Polynesia. We we don't pull punches. But right we're, now we're, we're planting seeds. We're yeah. planting I, seeds right now. I yeah. think when we invite her back, Aretha, if, uh, hold me to this. Let's go somewhere if you don't mind. Or you hold we want, him. We want to come in and just kind of help in the community. And then let's talk about it. Yeah, let's yeah. let's sell you know, something. We can we can, we can go get some use in the. We can bring my brother, and he can talk, and we can just whatever, whatever we can yeah. do, and then we'll come back into the to the good story podcast. I mean, report, report the back. good story it, fold. Let, let's let's give Aretha the the last last word. Yeah. Moving now, yeah. Aretha. Yeah, no, I just want to thank you guys for for um, having me here. Uh, I really, I wish that I could like dig deep and get more thoughts from you all, especially um, from you, Wes's. Uh, our, your presence, the male presence in our Pacific Island community is so needed. Uh, um, I can't even tell you how much, not just from our kids, but from our women, from our from your wives and your spouses, your sisters, your mothers. Um, it, it just is something that I feel like there's always an absence of in the in the work that we do. But I know that um, if the our boys see more males out there engaged in the work, that they will come out. And so Kava Talks is one place for our males to go. Um, you don't have to go to the group. Like you can just go to a project and help. They do Breaking the breaking Bread in uh, Liberty Park in Salt Lake on Saturdays where they just bring food and invite all the homeless to come and, and eat there. There's a group called Day One as well. Um, Siolo Tawala yeah. is a part of yep, that. Yep. He's also a facilitator for Kava Talks. So, and I'd love to bring you to our youth programs too to help um, spread the word about, you know, and share your story. But again, I think communication is key. And I'll tell you again, the honestly, why I came here is uh, I can go, I've been on a lot of podcasts and news stuff, but they're all around like very serious, you know, programs. And <laughs> and nobody's listening to me over there, you know? Yeah. When I went on Village Made podcast, which is like just a social place that everybody likes to go and listen to their, their it. It just hit the ground. Anywhere I went, they were like, hey, I saw you on Village Made Podcast. And I was like, I need to be on Good Story, too. Because (laughs) you reach a population that also, you know, they're not watching those things. Because we're doing so many things. But our community is so talented that we got to not be afraid to go to places that are might not 
FBR, please. Yeah. But um, and share the word. It's good to be uncomfortable. Get out it of your, your your comfort zone. Yeah. You have to be uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. You got to be because if you're not, then you're not doing what you're supposed to be doing. So, Loretta, thank you so much, Wes. That's why I vacuum my house in a speedo. <laughs> Sorry. Awkward. Did I just Sorry. Okay, we'll, we'll give the we'll give Wes the last few seconds he wants to Um I just so I've been here since uh what Saturday? Yes, yeah, Saturday. I've been here since Saturday. Mm-hmm. I just wanted to shout out uh Solid Malanga at uh Tokuhusa Protection. Mm-hmm. I'm working over there tomorrow. Yeah, shout out, so, hey, right we, on, Wes. All, all the Polynesian <laughs> uh, businesses like Savage hey, Fish man. and Toko Uso Prote- uh, Protection, hey, hey we we always want to shout hey, you guys out. Shout, shout out to them. Shout out to my cousin Peter Ika for uh, you know uh, stepping up and just saying, hey, we got you, you know. And this is like this is the first, it's yep. like my first job, so it's a big deal. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? So you about to pay taxes? Just mm. just. just uh, <laughs> Just having Tokoso protection embrace me like that. You know what I mean? So that's what's I just up. Wanna man, what's going to make us play that reunion Ika song again? Yeah. Man. Uh, that's what he's trying <laughs> to hey, do. Hey, when y'all hear somebody say, get over here, you better listen to Wes. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Don't make me get off this stool. Huh? Don't make me get out of my golf cart. Yeah, so shout out to all the podcasts that are out there. Sholo, those guys doing day ones. I've seen them doing a lot of homeless shelter stuff, people out the homeless feeding them, and all the other podcast guys that are out there that are making a difference. We try to keep it positive. Yes, so sir. We like to thank Oretta to come coming out. Thank you, Oretta. And the boys Wes. from the Oretta. Our honorary okay, guests. Let's go help people customize and so, see. Sorry, that was a thing. But anyways, we'd like to thank you guys again for visiting us on another episode of Good Story. Good Story.